Are you ready for God's word? The abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and live it abundantly. Not half-heartedly, not mediocre or barely surviving. I've come that you might thrive, that you might really live at your fullest potential. Come on, how many of us are here to say, sign me up? I want to live at my full potential. Lord Jesus, if that's why you've come, I'm with it. I'm with you. Let's do this. But there's a second part to that verse. He says the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So the minute you present yourself and say, I want to have an abundant life, the enemy shows up and says, well, let me see if I can steal, kill, and destroy. So you're in a fight. You say, Pastor, what if I just remain in the stands? Will the enemy leave me alone? No, he won't. He'll just have an easier time with you. That's it. So, so you're in a fight whether you like it or not, and your stewardship is in his crosshairs. You say, what's stewardship? Stewardship is your management over what God has blessed you with. And everything you have is a blessing from Almighty God. Everything you have. Last week we said we were called to be generous in our stewardship. Why? Because we're called to have the Father's heart. Now, how many of us... I had to clear my throat. How many of us, during this sermon series, have been challenged by Jesus' parables on stewardship? If you read those parables and you went through the teaching and said, wow, I had no idea that Jesus was so serious about stewardship, raise your hand. Yeah, no, it, it, and if, if you weren't challenged... Maybe you didn't pay attention too close. Because Jesus calls stewards to account. And he says, there will be a day when everyone will give an account. And you say, yeah, but those are for the non-Christians. No, 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 no. Remember, he said he was unfaithful. Punish him and put him with the what? Unbelievers. That means he's talking about believing stewards. Stewards that were in the master's house. And so when you read that, you can't help but say, hello, this is serious. See, so, for so long, Christians have thought of the kingdom as something far off, something mystical, something completely spiritual. But how many of us realize that the kingdom will be very physical? If you, if you haven't had a chance to listen to my Wednesday night teaching, I, I spent an entire hour talking about the millennial reign and why the millennial reign is so important because when you understand the millennial reign, then you understand all of the New Testament where Jesus kept talking about a kingdom. He kept talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom of God and it's worth you giving everything to. It's worth you selling out for. It's worth you going all in like Texas Hold'em say, I want to be all in. Why? Because the king is coming back and he's going to set up a very physical millennial reign for a thousand years. That's why when he talked about to one of those stewards, he said, well done, good and faithful. I will give you charge over much. Meaning you were faithful on earth. Now, when, I come, when you come back to earth and we set up this millennial reign and Jesus himself is sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem, Ruling over the world, he says, I'll give you charge over 10 cities, over five cities, 
See, we've always thought, like, what is he talking about? He's talking about something very physical. And he is serious when he says, your stewardship matters. It matters. We've made Christianity so light. And we just think, oh, Jesus is just going to bless everybody. Read those passages. It, 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 it's serious. So you say, okay, pastor, I get it. You want me to wake up. It's time to wake up. Your king is coming soon. You say, okay, but then we've been talking about stewardship from the 30,000 foot view. Today, we're going to come in close, ground floor, practical. We're going to hit 10 specific stewardship principles that King Solomon tells us about. You say, who was King Solomon? He was the son of King David, and he was blessed by the hand of God. How was he blessed? Well, because of David and the relationship that he had with God and God's love for David said, there's never been a man after what? My own heart, like David. And because of your father, Solomon, I want to bless you. I want to bless you with favor. What is it that I can bless you with? How many of you would have said, ooh, I want to be famous. I want to be smart. I want to be wealthy. Solomon thought for a minute and he said, no, I don't want to be smart. I want to have understanding and wisdom. That means I want to know how to use the smarts in a way that honors you, Lord. And God said, because you have chosen that, I'm going to give you everything else as well. And this is why Solomon says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is his hallmark verse. If you want to remember one verse, remember these two. It's right there in Proverbs 3, 5, uh, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. Do you realize that what Solomon is doing there is he's stating exactly what Jesus stated when he stepped onto the scene and started his kingdom. When he stepped onto the scene and he started telling everybody what the kingdom was about was in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, let me tell you about the kingdom. The kingdom is not like the worldly kingdom. I've come to set up a what? A spiritual kingdom. It, and blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he started telling you what he valued. And then he finishes in, uh, or at least he gives this, this closing statement in, cha in chapter 6, verse 31. He says, and seek ye first the what? The kingdom. When he said that, he's basically restating what Solomon told us in his wisdom. Seek ye first. That's what Solomon is saying. The kingdom. And as I've sought the kingdom first, God gave me everything else as well. So today, I want you to know that when we hit these 10 points, it starts with what? Seeking the kingdom. You say, but how, why should I believe Solomon? Who was he in terms of, uh, was he a financial wizard? Well, he was so head and shoulders above everyone that people, kings, noblemen, your upper echelon came and they learned at his feet. Now, how awesome do you have to be for a king to humble himself and learn from you, a greater king. You got to be pretty awesome. So how many of you have seen Wimbiyama, the, 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 the phenom in basketball for the San Antonio Spurs? I'm just saying, San Antonio's going to, oh, wow. 
The future looks bright. Now, this young man the other day played against uh, the Suns, and he scored 38 points against Kevin Durant on limited minutes. He's awesome. But you know what I find interesting? As awesome as he seems to be, not everyone's given him their, his credit. Like Shaq goes, ah, he's not, I, I was this and I was that. Now, and then other guys are like, ah. And even in first service, Jamie is a Laker. And Jamie says, so how awesome do you have to be so that your peers say, he's the man. Let's just, let's just quit pretending. Let's go learn from his feet. Let's learn at his feet and say, teach me something. That's how awesome King Solomon was. He was so head and shoulders above anyone that it wasn't even pretending anymore. People just came and said, you're the man, teach me something. <laughs> Let me share with you a stat. According to historians, people believe that King Solomon used to bring in 4.5 tons of gold per year. How many is that in ounces? Roughly 144 ounces of gold. Okay, um, thousand, 144,000 times 2,000 per ounce. That's, that's roughly what it's at today. That's 288 million a year in just gold. That's not counting how much he brought in in silver. That's not counting what he brought in from his diamond mines. That's not counting what he brought in in rubies and pearls and everything else. Not counting what he brought in with, with grain. Not counting everything else he was doing. Just his gold. In fact, it's been estimated that his wealth would value today in the 2.5 trillion with a T. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And so he would make Bill Gates and Elon look like paupers. That's how wealthy he was. So today I want to talk to you about his wisdom. And what, his, what, the God, what God's word says about stewardship. And we're going to cover 10 quick points. You think we can do it? 10 quick points. First and foremost, trust in God, not money. Trust in God, not money. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. What is he saying? He's saying if your heart is pointed towards material things, material things will never satisfy you. It will always leave you wanting what? More and more and more and more. It's called the greed trap. And the greed trap is merciless because it will take over your mind and your soul and have you chasing after the wind. That's what Solomon says. I've seen so many people chase after the wind, and they never catch it. And so here he says in, in Psalms 10, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And watch what he says, and adds no sorrow to it. Brings no sorrow with it. I say that all the time. When God blesses you, he adds no sorrow to it. Meaning you don't have to feel the pressure of always having to be striving in your own strength. Because you know that God has you, and he's taken care of you, and he's brought you this far, not just to drop you. Amen? 
He didn't bring you this far just to drop you and, and hurt you. He loves you. Amen? In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure. But in the revenue of the wicked, there is trouble. Meaning when you trust the Lord and you do it the right way, he takes care of your treasure. Number two, diligence makes you rich. Come on, what is diligence? Diligence is, is doing things at your best. As being mindful, dedicated, and honed in to give God your best. In, in Proverbs chapter 10, he says this. He says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor. What does it mean to have a slack hand? He who is lazy becomes poor. But watch this. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. I used to always remember my dad say that. When we'd be out and we'd be visiting different folks and he came across a man he admired, it was always his hard work that he admired. And he would say, you see that man? He's from Mexico or he's from Honduras or he's from Guatemala or he's from wherever he was coming in because we, we ministered to, to immigrants. And he would say, he's going to be rich. Why? Because he works hard. And sooner or later, he'd go from just being a worker on the roofing team to owning his own roofing company. And then next thing you know, he had trucks. And next thing you know, he had crews. And next thing you know, he was rich. <laughs> and it was like, it, it, it would happen time and time again. And he would say, look, hard work, he'll never be poor. Hard work, he'll never go hungry. Hard work is what it's about. Come on, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? It's the truth. And so Solomon says it over and over. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. You say, but pastor, are you telling me that it's not good to have a dream? No, you can have a dream, but if all you do is dream, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you don't believe in God and you don't consider yourself a Christian. Mr. Musk had to work at his dream. Mr. Dell down the road had to work at his dream. It wasn't just a fantasy. It was something that he had in his mind and his heart and then he or she went at it with all their might. And that's what the Bible is saying. If all you do is dream, then all it'll ever be is a dream. He goes on to say, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. But diligence is man's precious possession. What does that mean? It means even when you get something and you harvest it, you don't take care of it. You see this often where people will get something and they have this house or they have this car or they have this, this possession that God has blessed them with, a hunting prize, and yet they don't take care of the meat. They let it spoil. What does the Bible say? No, if you have something that God has given you, make sure you take care of it. Make sure you take care of it because what does the Bible say? If you're faithful with the little then I'll trust you with more. I'll give you more, but first I want to see that you can handle what you have. Amen? How about this? Generosity increases wealth and releases God's blessing. Is this true? 
I love the way the great evangelist John Wesley put it in his book, The Use of Money. He says this. He says, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And if you do those three things, you'll be blessed. Amen? Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. This is what Solomon says in, in Proverbs 11. There is one who scatters. That means he gives away and he keeps getting more. Why would he get more? Because God is saying, you have my heart and I can use you to bring my blessing from heaven to earth. And I can trust that you'll give it away. Remember, Jesus said, I want to be a living stream, not a stagnant pond. Right? I want a living stream to flow through you. Meaning the blessings come here and go out. Not they come here and I hoard them. Right? And so he says, he says this, but yet there is one that withholds and gets less and less and less. That means he becomes poor. The generous soul will be made rich. He goes on to say, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. What does it mean to have a generous eye? It means the way you perceive the world. How do you see things? And I need you to go back to your childhood because many times it comes from there. How were you raised? I was raised in a very poor environment. And I had brothers and I had cousins and we always had a lot of kids around. And it could, it could create a little bit of a scarcity mentality, meaning we were always competing. So I can compete with the best of them, but it makes me have a stingy eye. Anyone have a stingy eye that would dare admit it? I do because my wife is very different from me. And how many of you know God puts you together to make you one? Amen. So she helps me. How does she help me? Well, first of all, she was raised as an only child. And my father-in-law had a great job and took care of her. She was his princess. She got a brand new car. She got, I'm not, but, but who's bitter, right? Um, but she had a generous eye. How does she have a generous eye? Even to this day, she's like, we should bless them. I'm like, what? We should bless them. I said, you thought you said him. No, both of them. We should bless them. We should bless, we should bless, we should. I'm like, duh! And God is saying, I'm teaching you the generous eye. But my eye says, but if I give it, then I'll have less. And the generous eye says, no, if I give, I touch the Father's heart and he'll take care of me. He'll take care of me. Because the one thing the, the Bible says is I've seen a lot of things in this world, but I've never seen God's children begging for bread. He takes care of his own. Amen? And so, so have a generous eye because the Bible says the generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. And you know what else the Bible says? When you give to the poor, you lend to God. And God pays his debt. He will not owe any man. So if you give to the poor, God says, put it on my account. Some of you need to just jump for joy on that point alone. <laughs> that can change your life right there. I need to start lending to God. I'm going to start finding any poor person I can to start so that God, amen, avoid debt. Avoid debt. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the 
Isn't that true? Now, let's just cover something. Is all debt wrong? That is not what the Bible is teaching. The Bible is teaching to be, to be prudent and wise. And an overall principle is too much debt will enslave you. Now, there is a point where a certain amount of debt can help you. How so? What has happened to prices over the last two or three years? They did what? They doubled. In some cases, tripled. What if you had gotten a very low interest rate before these things doubled and tripled? And you had built whatever God had put on your heart to build, and now you're paying back with expensive money, cheap money that you borrowed yesterday. That would be wise. You know what isn't so wise? Having 28% credit card debt. Some people are earning in their 401k and in their investments 5%, 2%, 3%, but yet they're paying 28% to MasterCard. Why don't we flip this? Why don't you take everything you have and pay yourself 28%? Where can you earn 28% risk-free in an environment like today? Where? I tell you where. Pay your credit card off. Pay your credit card off. Because what you don't pay out, you can pay yourself. Avoid debt. Debt will make you a slave. Come on, how many of us found out this the hard way? You start with one card, it goes to two cards. You get a new truck, you get a new house. Before long, you're working just to pay the debt. That's not where God wants us. Avoid it. Amen? Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt. Don't do it. Don't put your name on the line for someone else. Because what happens is you can't control what they do, and then they'll come after you. It's exactly what Solomon says. You might even lose your bed. What does that mean? The place you sleep. So you have to be very, very careful with this. The wicked borrow and never repay. Guys, I know this can be tough. But we want to be blessed, don't we? See, it's one thing to say, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed. And God says, okay, I got some rules for you. I don't like it. Tough, it ain't your world. Let's just be honest, it ain't your world. I know the world tells us it's your world, it's your world. No, it ain't. It really isn't. And anyone who's lived a little bit knows there's some rules, right? And, and so you've got you to pay your debt. That's super important. But the godly are generous givers. How about this? Seek wise counsel. This is, this is extremely important. Because if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know a whole lot about financial matters. Find you a good Christian person, a good Christian professional, male or female, that will what? Bless your life with good counsel. In first service, Brother Mark Caldwell was sitting in the back. That's what he does for a living. And God has blessed him. And guess what? He's a good Christian man. You can go see him. And he can give you advice on where to move and what to do next. You say, well, what kind of advice would I need? 
Well, if you're going to be an investor and if you're going to grow in wealth, you need to understand cycles. You need to understand liquidity cycles. Some of you are going, I have no idea what a liquidity cycle is. I have to go to school to learn this stuff. So I understand it. I understand the debt cycle. I understand the business cycle. I understand that we're in a, in a, in a part of the business cycle and the, the liquidity cycle. We're, we're under contraction. And, and the Federal Reserve is saying, you know what? We're taking money off the table. That means it's going to be a lot harder to get a loan. So some people are saying, oh, somebody just offered this to me for my house. Yeah, but you got to go buy something in the same market. Might be better off to stay where you are at keep the low interest rate, and wait for the cycle to come back down. Amen? And so these are things you can learn from wise counsel. Can I get an amen? amen? So a couple of years ago, our elders and I, we got very convicted that we, we have a small little debt on this, on this building. And we've always, we've always had it here locally. But here locally, they had us on a variable rate, meaning when interest rates go up, and then our, our interest goes up. Right now, it would be up above 9%. But several years ago, I realized, hey, interest rates are as low as they possibly can be. Why don't we refinance, and I need to get it fixed. It needs to be fixed where they cannot adjust it. Now we look like geniuses, but we're not. We're just following God's principles, Amen. And so we need to be shrewd. Jesus put it this way. Be as innocent as a dove, but as shrewd as a serpent. Yes, that means be wise. Understand financial principles. How about this? Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Diversify. Don't have all your possessions in one basket. Put it in seven different baskets. If you can, do eight. Don't have all your money tied up in your house. If the, if the real estate market crashes, then what? Don't have everything tied up in one company's stock. If they go down or have bad news, diversify. You say, but how do I learn more about diversification? Find a good professional, a good counselor. Amen. How about work hard? Here's this theme again, work hard. He goes on to say, in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. He'll go on and on. And this goes right along with number seven. Laziness brings what? Do you realize he's making you a promise? Solomon's making you a promise. The wisest man to ever live besides Jesus Christ says, if you're lazy, I promise you, you'll be poor. Come on, how many of you are like, not me, not me. Oh, come on, I'm talking about young guys here too. Be a hard worker. Fathers, the best thing you can teach your son is how to work diligently hard, how to shrug laziness off, how to put his hand to something and really go for it. Amen? Best thing you can teach your daughters is how to be a hard worker. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I'm buying it. Well, your life will show it and prove it if you try to mock God's word. 
I love what God's word says in the book of Galatians. He says, God will not be mocked. He has set principles in place and you will not show him up. What does it mean, show him up? God says, this is my principle. And you go, I'm going to defy it. And my life is going to be an example of how your word is not true. That will never happen. God's word will prove himself true. Amen? So watch what he says. Are you with me? Anyone fall off yet and say, I've had too much. I've had enough. Come on, I'm, I'm trying to bless you if you. I'm trying to bless you if you. Let me. This is straight from God's word. Watch this. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. He says, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. What does it mean? He's saying, hey, go find an anthill and observe some lessons from that anthill. And one thing you're going to notice right away is those ants get to work without having to have a boss. Isn't that true? Come on. Come on. Come on. Can I get an amen? amen? If you're under 30, raise your hand. If you're under 30, raise your hand. Listen. Oh, some of y'all now all of a sudden don't want to raise your hand. You're like, no, I don't know. Listen. God is saying, if you learn how to motivate yourself, that means don't make mama come and say, it's time for school. Don't make daddy say, hey, it's time to do the chores. Hey, take out the trash. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do, because you'll always need someone to show you and tell you. If not, you won't do it. Instead, learn to motivate yourself. Get up and say, I'm ready to be productive. I'm ready to put my hands to something. I'm ready to give it my all. No one has to tell me, well, the reason I didn't make any A's or even didn't even pass is you didn't promise to give me $10 per A. No, none of that nonsense. You do it because it's the right thing to do and you have something inside of you saying, I'm going to be the best I can. Oh, come on now. Come on now. He goes on to say, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So your poverty, that means poorness, will come on you like a prowler, like an armed bandit. It'll come on you so fast. Now, now notice what he says, a little slumber. How much is a little? Let me put it to you this way. Any businessmen in the room? Any businesswomen in the room? If you're not moving forward, you're what? You're going backwards. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a businessman. Are you kidding me? If you're here today and you don't think you're a businessman, I need you to come to the front. I'm going to give you one of these. You're over your family. Moms, you're over your family. You're over. You've got to make smart decisions. You've got to motivate yourself. Nobody's there saying, come on, get up, do this, do that. You've got to make these decisions and make them count. Amen? Amen. So you are over something. You're over the family and the business of that family that God gave you. And so it's time for us to get excited and say, no, 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 no. It only takes a little bit of fooling around and messing around to lose the ground that God is trying to give me. Only takes a little bit. 
Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and savings. Saving for the future is wise and prudent. It's been said that love covers a multitude of sin. Can I tell you, saving covers a multitude of bad financial decisions. <laughs> it does. When you, or, or catastrophe, when you are a good saver, you can make a mistake and you can cover it. When you're a good saver and your boss asks you to do something that's unethical, you can say no, get fired, and you're okay. You're okay. When you're a good saver, someone in your family can experience tragedy and you're okay. When you're a good saver and you want to increase and take more ground, you can invest. You'll be okay. Saving is so, so important. Amen? A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I want you to look at that. Christians, it's time for us to leave the next generation better than we were left. I want to leave my children something special that they can do for the kingdom. Amen? That's what we're called to do. A good man leaves his children better off. You say, well, pastor, I don't believe we should just give it to them. No, you're right. They got to know how to save. This is important because it goes with the next verse. It goes with the next one. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, okay, here it is. Uh, number nine, gain wealth one step at a time. Why is this important? Watch what he says. Wealth from get rich schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Put in the English Standard Version, it says wealth gained hastily will dwindle. How many of you have ever heard of someone winning the lottery and wrecking their life? Why? Because when you give somebody something, all of a sudden, they don't know how to manage that money. But what if you've been building it? What if you've been doing it since 19 and you're now 45 and you've built an empire, the good old-fashioned way, one brick by brick by brick. You've seen the ups and the downs of the market. You've seen people come and go and try to swindle you. You've seen good business deals. You've seen bad business deals. You've seen when you didn't trust God. You've seen when you did trust God. You've learned. How are you going to handle your money compared to the person that doesn't know? That's what Solomon is saying. I heard a, a, a story told the other day. They said, you see that restaurant right there, Pastor? It was an amazing restaurant in Austin. The, the dad gave it to the son. And in one to two years, he ran it into the ground. He started doing this. He started doing that. He started. None of it was a smart decision. And it just got worse, 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 and worse. Till now, it's closed down. And it's something else entirely. I thought of Solomon's words. Learn. Learn through hard work, through experience. Last but not least, honor the Lord in your work. He goes on to say, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but just wait. Just wait is a delight. What does it mean by that? It means don't try to trick people or cheat them. Be honorable in everything you do. He goes on to say this. He says, false weights and unequal measures the Lord detests. He can't stand it. Instead, honor the Lord with your possessions. 
Put him first. So I'll give you a, a little story and then we'll be done. I was, uh, I know I said killing time was wrong, and it is, except when you're waiting in the doctor's office and there's nothing else you can do. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there waiting, and he'll, he'll have you wait. My orthopedic guy will have me wait like an hour sometimes. So I'm in there, and I'm looking through my, my phone, and a little short caught my attention. It was a little 45-second video. And it was a man, it said something like this. He said, gave God my first fruits, and the unbelievable happened. Something like that. So I thought, oh, that's cool. I clicked on it. So a man, he comes out, and he says, four or five years ago, I planted two lemon trees, and I decided to test God, because God's word says you can test him in the area of finances, right? And, and, and giving. And the Bible says to give him your very first. So when the, when the lemon tree had their first... Um, harvest that he was able to harvest. According to God's word, he took one of the best lemons from this tree on the right hand. He took it off, he shined it up, and he wrote first fruits, and he gave it in the offering plate. You guys don't have to give your produce in the offering plate. I can see people bringing in just like tomatoes and cucumbers. And, but, but this is what he did. Uh, maybe we can set something up like that in the cafe. I don't know. We'll think about it. Amen. Yeah, Ms. Paula says, yeah. So, so this is what he did. He wrote first fruits, and he gave it. And the other tree, he didn't. The other tree produced meager little lemons. The tree on the right side produced lemons this big. And he goes up to the tree, and he says, this is the only size lemons it produces. And he shows it, and he picks one off, and it's like, humongous. And I just thought, wow. Lord, that is so true. I, I don't want to say this to impress you. I say this to give testimony to God's faithfulness from my own experience. So God has always blessed us in the area of finances, even though it wasn't like most people think. What do I mean by that? We were very young. We got called into ministry, and we stepped out in faith. And one of the things that we knew we had to do was get out of debt. So I started praying, Lord, help us get out of debt. Help us get out of debt. And by God's grace, we paid off every debt. The only thing I had was a, a house payment that we could, totally, we could totally handle. And we launched into ministry. And through the years, God helped me get even out of that. And so we would put God first and give 10%. And we said, Lord, we want to push it to 11%. We want to push it to 12%. And so we would give as much as we could. And we'd give to eye care. And we'd give... And then God showed me, you know what, seek wise counsel. And so I would seek wise counsel. And, you know, make sure you don't misuse debt. What are the other principles? Put me first. I'd put him first. All of these things honor me. You know, don't be lazy. Man, we would work even till this day. I don't, I don't have a problem getting in there and cleaning the bathrooms, doing what we have to do so that this house looks what? Beautiful. You know, we may not have the most expensive building, but you walk onto this campus, it looks what? It looks amazing. And that's, I learned that from my father-in-law. He's got a hard work ethic. Keith, you guys got to have a hard work ethic. Pat, all these guys, not only the guys, but the gals. Look what they did on this tree. This is not ordinary. That's extraordinary. 
They got one out there. They got, and you haven't seen anything yet. They've got a whole plan. There's so much more. So we've always done that. But, but a couple of, uh, about five years ago, I said, Lord, I don't want to ask the church for more. I, 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 that, I, that's not me. I've always had a heart for finance and for growing things. Would you give me permission to do something outside of your church? Just me. Can I invest? Can I grow? Can I do something? And so I talked to my mentor, um, uh, Rob Carmen at the time, Dr. Rob Carmen. He said, are you kidding me? Every great pastor I know has things that they do for them. Because you've got to take care of your family. And I said, yeah, I need, a, I need, I need retirement, God. And I don't want to go to the church. I want, I want you and me to provide it. Amen? So I started investing. And I just put God first. And I started little. I mean, I'm talking about we had nothing. Today, you would say, oh, my goodness. That's considerably more than nothing. <laughs> and in fact, some of my businessmen have met with me and talked to me about it and said, wow, Pastor, that, that's really remarkable. How did you do that? Let me ask that again. That's remarkable. How did you do that? I, I, I give three sermons every Sunday. I preach it on Wednesday. No, no, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me because sometimes we hear this and we're like, yeah, yeah, but what's the real secret? Isn't that true? But, but what's the real secret? What are you really doing? What did they teach you over there at Baylor? What did they teach you in that Hankermer School of Business, in that finance degree you got? What did you really learn? It's not that. It's put God first. Honor him. Practice these principles. Come on. If you have seen God work through his principles, just raise your hand and give him some praise. 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 Give him praise. I want every young person in this room, I want every person in this room that's wondering, can I, can I, can I say no? You can, you can, because God is for you. God is for you. Put his principles into play and watch him show up and move, amen? In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, bless the families of this house. You know those that need your help. You know those that you have been speaking to right now. Maybe one or two of these principles. God, I pray that you would inspire them to pray with their whole heart. I can remember my prayer to you, Lord. Get me out of debt, Lord. I want it so bad, and I need your help. I even prayed, Lord, turn my stomach to me using my credit card. I reach for it and let me get a pit in my stomach that God make me ill if I dishonor you in my commitments to get out of debt. I know I'm praying, but I'm also preaching because I need you to get this deep down in your spirit. I went to buy a big screen TV and God made me so sick I had to run to the restroom after I had prayed that way. 
Some of you go, well, I can't pray that way. Well, <laughs> yes, you can. You, you got to get serious about this stuff. Lord, show me who I'm supposed to approach for wise counsel. God, I don't know what you're doing in each and every person's heart, but I'm throwing some things out there that they might understand. You will meet them there, and they can trust you. And your plan is a good plan for them, a plan to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them a hope and an amazing future. And let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. With one voice, we say, Lord, thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you. With gratitude and praise, we receive the cup that represents your blood that was shed. As the family of God, we praise you, Lord. Amen. Church, have a great, great day. I love you.